Well, good morning, everybody. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Yes. We've had a good bit of it already, but we haven't used it up, I promise. We have not used it up. We're going to talk about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. The doctrine of Christ, if you've ever heard that terminology, the doctrine of Christ, it's a comprehensive body of truths concerning Jesus, consisting of who he is and what he has done, as well as what he will do for us in the future. Second John chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Second John, and verse number 9 tells us something extremely important. It says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Pretty serious statement, isn't it? He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Now there are many primary tenets that make up this body of truth that is known as the uh, doctrine of Christ. Things like his being God in the flesh. That's one of the tenets of the doctrine of Christ. His virgin birth is another of the tenets of the doctrine of Christ. His vicarious death, his authorship of eternal salvation, many more, many more. These are major truths that make up what we call, what the Bible calls the doctrine of Christ. If you do not believe in these things, if you do not abide in these truths, you're not saved. That's just a pretty serious statement. That's what it says. He that abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. One major tenet of the doctrine of Christ that we're going to deal with today is his literal bodily resurrection from the dead. In Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, the apostle Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, if you were here at 7.30 this morning, you got a good uh, lesson on the, on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope you'll take it to heart. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That statement makes the message of the gospel the most life-changing, necessary, and important truth that there has ever been or ever will be. And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul defined for us the gospel. Here's what he said. In verse 1, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, that's the apostle Peter, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above, above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. 
We're here this morning to celebrate the greatest, the most sensational, most remarkable single event in history, or the future of the world for that matter. And that event is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This event has changed more lives it has accomplished more good and achieved more for the betterment of mankind than any other event ever has or ever will. This is as good as it gets. Of all the things that you consider to be a big deal in your life, things like your family, your vocation, your health, the money in the bank, your wealth, even life and death, this is the biggest deal of all. Other events have greatly affected the world. Wars have affected the world, famines, natural disasters, plagues, global politics, and more. There is only one event that affects every human being, every man, individually and personally, and that will ultimately determine his eternal destiny. And that event is Jesus' resurrection from the dead. So I ask you this morning, do you believe it? Do you believe in the literal bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead? Do you believe it? It's certainly not the easiest thing in the world to believe. Even those who knew Jesus while he was here, those who walked with him and talked with him and touched him, ate with him, even they had trouble believing in the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So if you have a little trouble truly and totally embracing this, you don't have to feel all alone. You're not the first one there ever was to doubt. Is it okay to be a doubter? Well, I guess yes it is. It's just certainly not okay to stay one. Should you die and leave this world in unbelief, you're going to spend eternity separated from God in a real place, a place of punishment. It's called hell. And it's real. And you do not want to go there. If there's anything you need to make sure of before you die, you need to get the straight story about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You need to see the evidence about the Bible being true that it is God's word and you need to see the evidence about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now this morning you're going to experience the presence of the Lord. You already have. Amen. And you're experiencing it now. He made a promise. He said where two or three of you and he was talking to his church. There was only one at the time. He said, where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there will I be in your midst. And we've been watching him keep that promise every week for the last, well, next week it'll be for the last 70 years. But that will be a spiritual experience, not a physical bodily experience. You're going to need to look at the facts. You're going to need to see the evidence to become a true believer in the resurrection, the literal bodily 
resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you believe the Bible, do you? Amen. Amen. If you believe the Bible, you will have no trouble believing in the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Numerous places throughout the Bible give us the account of Jesus' resurrection. Secular history also records Jesus' resurrection. It was the most sensational historical fact of the first century. There is no other there was no other news headline as big as that one in the first century. Flavius Josephus, anybody know who that is? How would you like it if your mother named you Flavius? Well, I guess it was a pretty good name in those, in those days. He's a Jewish man who was also a Roman citizen. And his uh, vocation was that of historian. Flavius Josephus wrote an enormous amount of historical fact. He wrote a work called The Antiquities of the Jews. It's a history book. Records many historical significant facts that are coincident with the Bible. He tells us the facts surrounding the Roman taxation, the one that compelled Joseph and Mary to travel to Bethlehem when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. He records the story about the execution of James, the brother of Jesus. He records the politics surrounding Herod's execution of John the Baptist and describes John the Baptist's ministry, refers to him as the dipper of all things. Here's what this non-Christian history book writer records about Jesus. This is in his volume of the Antiquities, 18. Third chapter, third sentence or verse. Here's what he says. He says, now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day. As the divine prophets have had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him, and the tribe of Christians so named from him, are not extinct to this day. That's quite a news story. Today we're going to read Luke's account of Jesus' resurrection. Uh, This is the same text that you heard at the early service this morning. He didn't wear it out. We're We're going to read the whole thing. We've been reading a lot of scripture from this pulpit lately. You know, that's what, God, that's what God told us to do. He said, preach the word. Luke 24, verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus 
And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee? Saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulchre, and told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and the mother of Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. I told you that even those close to Jesus had a hard time believing this. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as so the women had said, but him they saw not. And then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? At the beginning Moses and all the prophets and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as, they, as he sat down at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke and gave to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him. 
and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me hath. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy, that, that sentence means they couldn't believe their eyes. That's where you're going to be when you see Jesus at his second coming. It says, he said unto them, have you any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. Nobody ever saw a spirit eat. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. And all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endowed with power from on high. That would come 40 days later. You see, after Jesus rose from the dead, he spent a month and 10 days. If it was a month and 10 days till Christmas, your kids were going to think that that's forever. It's a pretty long time. Month and 10 days. He was teaching his church how to take the gospel all the way to the end of the world. And we are, ladies and gentlemen, we are that very program that he instituted that day, continuing on right here and right now. I have three simple questions to ask you today regarding what we've just read in Luke's account of the resurrection. Just three simple questions. The first one's, do you believe it? Are you convinced that Jesus really did rise from the dead? Are you convinced? Amen. I said earlier, it's not the easiest thing in the world to believe. It really isn't. Verse 10, 
uh, of our text. We read it. It said it was Mary and Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women that were there which told these things unto the apostles. These women were not gossipy tale bearers. These women were trustworthy. They were with them all the way, way back from the beginning. And they came and told these things to the apostles. And they knew them to be true. Yet still the men, they just didn't want to believe it. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher. Stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself what was come to pass. I have been to that tomb and likewise have stooped down and gone inside. I don't think Lisa had to stoop down. I think she just walked on in. It's a pretty short doorway. But I had to stoop down to go in like Peter did. It's called the Garden Tomb. It's in Jerusalem. It's just a short walk from Golgotha where Jesus was crucified. That sheared off iron pen. You can go find this on YouTube. There are photos all over the place about it. There's a sheared off iron pen in the, in the side of that granite wall that was put there by the Romans. They drilled it and set it in lead and anchored it in that wall so that the stone could not be rolled back, sealing Jesus into the tomb, placing his body there, imprisoning his body in that wall. That sheared off iron pen is still in that wall piece that they left in there. You can go see it if you want to go to Israel. It's, it's there. An extraordinarily large, the matter of fact, the largest one that's ever been found in Israel. Uh, it's a tombstone, a rolling stone that was used to seal a tomb. It sets up on top of Mount Nebo. It's 9 foot 8 inches in diameter and 15 inches wide. And it exactly fits the channel that's in front of the garden tomb where the stone was rolled into place. There's no other stone ever been found that fits that channel. But it's there. And you can go see it. It's still there. Except for the grave clothes, it's all still there. There are even three cross holes carved into the stone that are in place, that are there. There's a, there's a deck thing built over it today, or was uh, concerning the uh, last video I saw of this, where the three crosses were stood up and dropped into the hole with the crucified victims nailed to them. It's all still there. Evidence all over the place. What would it take for you to believe this? Recorded history corroborates every detail. Golgotha, the tomb, even the Rolling Stone, it's all been discovered and it's all there. And it all matches the accounts in every detail. Then there's the Bible in which evil men, otherwise intelligent men, have been working tirelessly to try to prove a mistake or a contradiction in this book 
for centuries now. And they're all without, without any success whatsoever. Do you know why they've never been able to prove a mistake in the Bible? Because there aren't any. You can't prove something that's not there. And there are no mistakes in this book. So my question, my first question to you today is do you believe it? Do you believe this? Absolutely. I have another question. I have three actually. And the second question is a little more personal. And that second question is, do you want Jesus in your life? Not everybody does. One of the things that we saw in this text that we read today is that Jesus will not force himself upon your life. He's not going to do that. In Luke 24, verse 28, it says that they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went, and he, speaking of Jesus, made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. You see, if you do nothing with this, Jesus will simply go right on without you. He's not going to force you to believe this, and he's not going to force you to invite him to become a part of your life. I guess this is a fourth question instead of three that I was promising to ask. But I'll ask it anyway. Do you want Jesus in your life or don't you? It's kind of a yes or a no. Really, it's not that difficult. Answer the question. Do you want Jesus in your life or don't you? You want him when it's time to die. I'm real sure of that. You, you need to get this part of the message today. With Jesus, it's all or nothing. Jesus is not in the business of spot repair. He does complete renovations only. You know, people come to me, they want, they want help with their marriage. They want, they want help with their addiction. They want help with their finances. You're getting the wrong answers because you're asking the wrong questions. The Bible says that Jesus draws all men to himself. That means that everyone is given an opportunity to learn of him and to be saved from their sin. He's not left anybody out. He's not chosen men to go to hell and others to go to heaven. Jesus has provided complete eternal salvation for everyone. No one left out. Not for our sins only, John said, but also for the sins of the whole world. You have an opportunity. You have one today. You can set up your classes. We can sit down and everything you need to know to know for sure that you're going to heaven, you will receive. But there's no guarantee of another opportunity. You don't want him in your life, he will, he will walk right, he will go right on without you. Sometimes we love our family so much, we would ask God to just make them get saved, Lord, just force them to it. Just, you know, just 
It doesn't work like that. You have to want Jesus in your life. Yeah, you do. You know, when faced with this much evidence, and I've given you, I've, between what Justin shared with you earlier and I shared with you now, this is way more than enough evidence for any reasonable person to know that Jesus is God in the flesh, and He is the Savior of the world, and He did rise from the dead, and He is alive and able to save to the uttermost all who will come by faith in Him. When faced with this much evidence, there can only be one reason that someone would still refuse to believe. Only one. And that is that you simply don't want Jesus in your life. And if you don't want Jesus in your life, that's the life you're going to get. He will walk right on without you. There are other people who do want him. And he'll move right on to them. You know, that puts you in some pretty unsavory company. I don't know if you realize that. Now, I hope, I hope that I'm just talking to the wind today because I'm really, I, I'm, I really hope I'm, there's no one here like that. But in a group this size, pretty good odds there is one somewhere, or two, or three. Luke 19 and verse 12. Jesus said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. This is a parable and it, it, it is uh, talking about Jesus having gone away, being seated at the right hand of the Father and is coming back. And delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. Now, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure there's no one in here dumb enough to say that out loud to the Lord. But to refuse to put your trust in him is exactly the same thing. To refuse to accept him is to reject him. Is this you this morning saying in your heart, he ain't going to tell me what to do. I'll not have this one ruling over my life. You've been doing such a great job running your life, you don't need any help from Jesus, I guess. How's that working for you? <laughs> Every time I get around to this kind of subject matter, I, I remember Pastor Turk. He got saved on a resurrection Sunday a long time ago in a little Baptist church. And I've heard him say this on several occasions. He said, before I got saved, I thought going to church was for women and kids and men that didn't know how to run their life. And after I got saved, I found out that going to church and learning about Jesus was for women and kids and men that didn't know how to run their life. You've been doing such a great job that you don't need any help from Jesus? I don't think so. Last question. Will you allow him to open your understanding? He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, 
which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. We as a church are commanded to teach you who are willing to be taught all these things concerning the scriptures. I'm talking about you who the Lord is drawing to himself. You know what that li- that's like? That's part of the process that got you here this morning. Some of you really did not particularly want to be here this morning. How does he know that? I just know that. He said unto them, this church, this church, not just the first one, but this one and all who came from that first one, like we did. He said unto them, Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have actually become very skilled at teaching people about Jesus. We actually have. I've spent most of my 46 years in ministry concentrating on the improvement of that one aspect of ministry above every other aspect. You can tell I haven't spent my 46 years on how to draw a big crowd. Look around you. I've spent my 46 years learning how to fill a church with saved people. How to teach people how to know for sure they're going to heaven. Here at Lighthouse, we use a systematic, highly effective, if I say so myself, five-hour course of private Bible study that God has given us. It's called Basic Bible Truths. If you take this course, which we offer without charge, you're going to come away understanding more about Jesus in the Bible than you could possibly imagine. Taking Basic Bible Truths is truly life-changing. What makes it so amazing? The expertise of the author or the skill of the teacher? No. <laughs> Sorry. No, I can't I can't claim that. The course is amazing because it's what God commands us to teach you in the order that he commands it to be taught. You have to learn the alphabet before you can learn to read. There are things you need to know about the Lord and about the Word of God before you can know enough to put your trust in Jesus. You see, you can't trust in something you're not sure about. You're going to need some assurance. But if you'll take those classes, you'll come away changed forever because the Lord Himself will open your understanding. He'll do it. I've watched Him do it hundreds of times. He will do it. Those of you that have taken the course, can I get a testimony from you for the others who have not that what I'm saying is the truth? Amen. 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 Flavius Josephus believed in Jesus as a historical fact. He may well have heard and saw him personally, but he certainly spoke with many who did. Yet, as far as we know, Josephus did not become a Christian. 
Nearly a hundred times in the New Testament, the Bible tells us to believe in order to gain eternal life. This word believe is simple, but the meaning is deep. And it's not at all how you use the word every day. It comes from a Greek word that means to trust. It's used as a verb. You know what that means? It means that it's something that requires that you act upon it. A verb is an action term, an action word. And this word is used as a verb in the scriptures. Something to be acted upon. Thus you must understand what or whom to trust and what to trust him for. I've asked people, are you saved? Yes, I said. Have you trusted Jesus? Oh, I've always trusted Jesus. No, you haven't. That's not what this word's talking about. Take the classes. We're commanded to teach you these truths. It's easier if you cooperate. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If, if what most of these other churches around here are teaching that, that baptism would save you, I can, get me to, I can get me five or six of these strong guys around here and we'll baptize you whether you'd like it or not. We'll save you. If that's what it takes to get you to heaven, we could do that. But it's easier if you cooperate. Won't get you saved anyway, so we're not going to do that. You can relax, Vince. You can relax. We're not going <laughs> to. You're going to have to cooperate. All right. Again, I asked, do you believe it? Amen. Do you want Jesus in your life? And will you allow him to open your understanding? Give one of us a call. Talk to one of us after the service. Just say, I think I'd like to take those classes. And we'll work it out to meet your schedule so that you can. And just like every other person in this room that has taken those classes, you'll come away amazed at what God's going to show you as he opens your understanding. God bless you. Let's stand. If you'd like to take the classes and you haven't, why don't you come tell me and I'll set you up. How about that? Amen. You can do it on the way out the door. You don't have to come up here if you're too shy. But I've, I've listened to you, you I, but you're not that shy. At least most of you, for sure. Wow. The resurrection. What kind of power does it take to rise from the dead? When I see him, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to have enough breath I could run a marathon if I wanted to. 
I can travel not at the speed of sound. I can travel at the speed of thought. I may even have hair. Could happen. It could happen. All because Jesus rose from the dead. Wow. That's amazing. My Redeemer lives. I know He rescued my soul. Can you say that with total, total assurance today? Were you there when you understood it and trusted Jesus to do that for you? You remember?